Welcome to The Healing Hour. This is the official podcast of The Girl Healer. I'm Hannah Olivia, the creator of The Girl Healer. The Girl Healer's aim has always been to make a difference and create change in the world and the people in it through healing. Whether that be through guidance, healing words, written quotes, music, intuitive readings, insightful conversations and spiritual healing. I hope that this is a space for you to learn, grow, reflect and heal. Today's show is all about healing in relation to makeup, not only to discuss how it uplifts the mind, body and spirit, but I also want to cover how important it is that we are purchasing makeup in a sustainable way in order to keep the planet safe and healed, but also in the process not harm our beautiful animals. I am super lucky to have the amazing Justin Jenkins on today. Justin is a celebrity makeup artist, activist, beauty expert and an industry reformer. She's done makeup for clients such as Fern Cotton, Jodie Comer, Laura Whitmore, Vicky McClure, Saran Jones and many, many more. Justin has been a makeup artist for 23 years. She was one of the first permanent makeup artists in London to go entirely cruelty free, which is amazing. She's discovered most cosmetic brands that were still testing on animals. And her mantra is, if you don't stand up for something, you fall for everything. So she stood up for what she felt was morally right. And I absolutely love that. She's totally on my page. She's written hundreds of articles on the subject. And the body shop invited her to present a petition to the EU in Brussels, calling for a global ban on cosmetic animal testing. She's also written a book called called Sustainable Beauty. It's all about practical advice and projects for an eco-conscious beauty routine. She says change cannot happen overnight, but believes that if everybody puts in a bit of effort and is more awake on the situation, things could change. And I totally agree with her with her. I'm so thrilled to have Justin on today to talk all things beauty from a human and planetary perspective. Hi, Justin. Thank you so much for coming on to this healing hour today. I really hope you're well. Hi Hannah, thank you so much for having me. We finally made it, and um, I've just what a what a wonderful intro. It's it's an honour to be here and talk to you. So thank you, thank you. Well, for it's my pleasure her. having you on. So thank you very much. Um, I was delighted that you were coming on as a guest because I feel that this podcast is going to be so interesting for two reasons. Firstly, I don't think we discussed just how much makeup impacts our self-confidence and our ability to show ourselves to the world from a healing perspective. But I also think what we need to highlight as well, that whilst we're feeling better about ourselves through makeup, we need to ensure that the planet and the animals in it are not being harmed in the process. Do you agree with me? I mean, absolutely, yes. Um, you know, I've always just felt that you know, there's nothing beautiful about animal cruelty and deforestation, for example. Like, you know, there's there's just I can't imagine anyone really, honestly, truly, if they ask themselves, you know, thinking that animal cruelty is worth a new mascara or shampoo. No, I absolutely agree with you. But you know what? There are some people out there who would uh, would literally just bat, bat an eyelid. You know, they just wouldn't even think. And I think that's why it's so important that we raise awareness so much more. Yes, it's education, isn't it? Because it I is. think once you've seen some of the images of what actually happens, there's no going back from that. And it's easy to bury your head and just sort of like, as you say, you know, turn a blind eye. But I think it, it's it's about spreading awareness because I think when people know better, they do better. And that's why I wrote my book really is because, you know, there was people asking me questions, you know, still people are confused 
about, say, for example, the difference between cruelty-free beauty and vegan beauty. And if it's vegan, does that mean it's organic? And there's still a lot of confusion out there. And I just wanted a real practical guide and a user book, really, that people can, can reference, you know, as well as having some practical advice on, you know, the makeup techniques I've learned over 23 years. And I think, you know, it's called sustainable beauty also because, you know, it's more than protecting animals it's it's protecting our environment too yeah and do you know what I think it's so important to educate the older generation in order for it to have that ripple effect to the younger generation because if we're not educated then how can we really educate children as well absolutely and also I remember thinking when I first became 43 I was a make I'd been a makeup artist for over 10 years and I had no idea it was still going on and I thought to myself wow and I spoke when I found out I spoke to my colleagues other makeup artists other friends not one person actually thought that animal testing still existed in the cosmetic industry and I thought to myself if we don't know as makeup artists, as industry professionals, then how are consumers supposed to know? So, you know, it's, it, I mean, obviously I'm so thrilled that now the term cruelty free is, is, is widely discussed and widely talked about, but, you, you know, when back then, sort of probably that's like 10 years ago now, it, it, you know, people didn't know what I was talking about. Yeah, that's astounding, isn't it? When you think about it, like going back, um, so I'm 42 and thinking back to my days of being in secondary school, you know, when you start kind of experimenting with makeup and body mm. shop was really like the in place to shop. So yes. I feel like I was quite aware because they really did make an impact, I think, on the whole of society when it came to that. I feel like they were a bit of a the change we needed um and so i'm a 90s 1980s baby so for me i felt like i was really raised and aware from probably about the age of 13 um so yeah but it's funny how like some people like obviously the body shop was something that i just obviously shone towards whereas if you're looking at maybe rimmel or other brands i don't want to go you know to kind of point fingers Mm. but maybe they i was just looking at the brands that were really highlighting it the most yes i think you know anita roddick the founder of the body shop was was such a change maker Um, You know, she was incredible. And I think, you know, even uh, the brand, uh, you know, and even sadly Anita herself got a lot of criticism when they got purchased by L'Oreal. But I truly believe that Anita thought she could change L'Oreal from within. And and so, you know, the Body Shop have always been absolutely at the sort of forefront of what I would say is environmental and human aspects. So, you know, they have, they use a lot of fair trade products, uh, ingredients, and they're very socially and environmentally aware. I think when it came to sort of animal testing and, and, you know, uh, the products being, and brands being cruelty free, is a little bit more um, confusing, a little bit more uh, not quite so transparent. And especially when they got purchased by L'Oreal, because, of course, L'Oreal being a parent brand, um, they and being a parent brand that wasn't cruelty free, it became something that the brand themselves were sort of instructed, I think, to sort of conceal a bit. So um, there was a time when everything was a bit muddy from them. But now they've they've been purchased by Natura 
uh, and Natura is a cruelty-free parent brand. So I think they can, they're, they're really, um, really wonderful now when it comes to animal testing. And, uh, you know, as you very kindly pointed out in my introduction, you know, I joined them on a trip to Brussels to campaign for uh, a global end to animal testing. So they really are wonderful. Yeah, and what an achievement. That's amazing that you did that. I really love that. So when did you first get a passion for ensuring that you became more sustainable with your products? I mean, I think we all have that ornate inner feeling within us from, you know, it, it's funny, really. I think we're kind of born with these feelings sometimes. You know, you have the animal lovers and you have like my daughter once said to me oh can we go and buy a litter picker and she was like six and I think oh. you kind of have you you sometimes have that within you but then for others it's just suddenly a light bulb moment that you think oh my gosh what is going on like you said people suddenly see something and it wakes them up so mm. when did you first get that passion was it from a really young age or was it more once you were working in the industry and it really highlighted it for you well, look, ten years, so 10 years ago, I went on a course on how to make your own natural cosmetics because I've always been interested in that. And um, this brilliant biochemist was taking this course. And when it came to part of the course was reading the inky list on the back of the uh, product, which is the ingredients list. And then we looked at certifications and symbols and she spoke about the leaping bunny certification and explained that that was the one to look for if you wanted to know if a product was certified cruelty free and I was like what do you mean cruelty free you know animal testing does still doesn't exist in in the you know, cosmetics world anymore um, because you know I was I big animal huge animal lover um, at 18 I went on anti-vivisection marches and I've always sort of campaigned for animal welfare and I was make artist and it just didn't occur to me that it still existed. I don't know why, but it just, in my mind, it, it was something from the dark ages, from medieval times. And I remember very clearly saying to me, go home and do your research. And I did, and I was shocked to the core. And I think why the other reason I was shocked is, as I said, I then started to ask everybody else, all of my colleagues, other make parties, nobody else knew. And I was also shocked because I realised that the reason that I didn't think it still existed and is probably the same for every consumer out there was because brands were using very, very clever marketing language to conceal the truth. So you would read on a website, we don't test on animals, we don't do this, we don't do that, we, you know, oh, aren't we brilliant and good? And then the last line is, unless required by law. And those four words just basically opened them up to any territory in the world that still required animal testing, yet they could, they could shout about not testing on animals. It was, it was such a mixed message and a yeah. confusing message and an untrue message. And so I think that pertained for many, many years that you know so I think everybody didn't really think it was an issue anymore and uh, the way I discovered it was still happening was so going back to doing this course I did my research and it literally was for me overnight I was like I I can't I can't be part of this this is horrific and as I said once you start to research once you actually learn what's going on that you know there's no going back so I knew 
in my soul that I I was that that was it for me. I was going, going to be a cruelty free makeup artist. And then when I discovered that none of my colleagues knew either, I thought, well, somebody's got to kind of shout about this. Um, so I thought I've got to stand up and do it. It's got to be me. I've got to raise awareness. I've got to spread the word. I've just got to keep going until people realize what is actually going on. I still fell for it, though, because I remember thinking to myself, right, OK, how can I do this? I know there was um, uh, a beauty award ceremony coming up. I think it was the Glamour Awards. And I had a couple of, oh, no, was it the, Inst it was the InStyle Beauty Awards, something like that. And I thought, I know I'm going to do uh, a couple of my clients were going and I was like, I'm going to do a cruelty free red carpet makeup. And InStyle, the magazine um, agreed to sort of publish a little article about it. So I was like, great, I'm going to spread awareness. And then I chose a couple of brands that I was convinced was cruelty free. It said so on their website and um, contacted them. Uh, they sponsored me to do this, the, the red carpet, and the article came out in the magazine. I thought, brilliant, job done. Then I noticed that, you know, I was because I was learning more and more at this point, I noticed that they weren't certified cruelty-free. So when I say that, I'm talking about the Leaping Bunny logo, their yeah. certification, which is run by Cruelty Free International, or PETA. You know, PETA have their own certification, yeah. which is, uh, you know, little rabbit with two bunny ears and I thought, why aren't they certified why aren't they on the peter's approved list why aren't they on the leaping bunny list this is this is crazy i'm gonna ask them so i asked these brands they were like oh well, yeah we don't have the resources you know so i decided i would dedicate my time for free to them to get them on the list because i thought well we need this list to be up to date we need brands on this list so we know what to buy and what to spend our hard-earned cash on if we want to be cruelty free yeah and they literally ghosted me oh god and I thought what's going on here this is crazy I've just offered my time for free it was like they were trying to hide something and when I spoke to Peter about it the animal charity they said, yes, this is common. And they started to help me pull apart the brand marketing language at some websites and what it actually means. You know, we do not approve of animal testing. Right. OK, great. You don't approve of it. Nobody approves of it. But it doesn't mean you're not doing it. No, exactly. And, and unless required, those four words, unless required by law, means they can say whatever they like beforehand. Yes. But those four four words give them the go ahead to sell in any territory. Yeah, it's they so want. wrong, isn't it? So I then realised that the lack of transparency, because people need to make an informed decision. You know, people have many different priorities in life. Animal welfare might not be somebody's priority, and that is entirely up to them. But Consumers need transparency to make informed choices. Absolutely. Because if that is really important to somebody and you are misguiding them and coercing them to buy your product on false promises, then that's wrong in my eyes. So Absolutely I, it is. So I really just tried to write, then I started to write about that and write to brands and, you know, 
that's one way you really get to know a brand. I think if you start talking to them as a consumer, you really get to know what their true values are. Yeah. And now they they don't do that so much. You know, it's, it's a lot of brands now see. I think they veered away from it because it's such, you know, a huge market. Mainland China is, you know, our main problem still. Yeah. Uh, even though it's much better. It's kind of one step forward, one step back, one step forward, one step back. Um, it's still an issue. And we, you know, it's a massive market for brands, for big brands. Of course. And so, you know, they are a corporation. And the way corporations are designed is to maximise profits at all costs. At all costs. Gosh. So they don't really care about misleading the consumer because it's just about the profits. Absolutely, yeah. I do, yeah. I do think that the landscape has changed. Um, I think they now see that there is a big market for being cruelty-free um, and brands are not scared to actually, because even brands that were cruelty-free, I'm like, why aren't you shouting about this? Yeah, they were obviously oh, nervous about doing nervous, it. Nervous, nervous, nervous about being caught out or something as well. Like Because if there's one, you know, I remember one brand had been sort of bought in bulk and somebody had opened like a little concession in an airport in Shanghai airport and you know they were being sold over there and then they got completely lambasted you know saying you're not cruelty free we've seen you in Shanghai airport and it's 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 so I think there's like this there was this kind of terror that well I won't we won't say we're cruelty free even though we are just in case this one product ends up on a shelf somewhere and gets caught up in the governmental laws in mainland China. And, you know, whereas now I think it's more, you know, they're more proud and they're more able to have the confidence to sort of stand up and say, we're proud to be cruelty free. Um, yeah, I think that's something to do with the 20th century as well. I feel like, you know, vegan is such a big thing now and people aren't embarrassed to kind of, I don't know, I remember being at school and there was a girl who was a vegetarian and she was quite like shy about it didn't like to speak up about it now I feel people are more proud about it so I think yeah. that's probably helped as well yes because I think all you know all brands want to make profits you know the big the big global corporations obviously have more of a what I would call a psychopathic need to make profits yeah and um the smaller more indie brands which it's been a joy to watch them take a huge chunk of the market, the, you know, the beauty market. You know, they are, um, they have more kind of, I think, sustainable business models where profit isn't the main driver. The main driver is to produce a more ethical product. And then the profits, then they'll, then they'll kind of attract their tribe of customer. Yeah. And then the profits will come from that. I was so about more, to... Yeah, I was sorry. It's sorry to interrupt. Do business. Yeah, I was just about to say the way our world is changing um, and the energy of this world, I feel more and more the universe, the way we're aligning is 
it's about doing what's right for the highest good of all and those smaller those smaller companies that are doing things for the highest good of all before they're worried about their profit are going to end up probably being more successful than the ones that are just out there for the greed because the world is just changing it it really is i think people are just waking up so much more and they can both help each other i think it really is the sort of the age where information needs to be shared in order to progress for us and for our environment so for example I think the you know the smaller brands can influence the larger brands because the large brands can see smaller brands doing really well absolutely yeah we can have a more sort of ethical business model and the bigger brands have the the R&D finance the research and development finance so they can really um you know invent some kind of you know magical packaging or something that the whole industry can use so yeah just collaboration yeah collaborating the bigger brands I kind of look at them like oil tankers in a way you know it's not that necessarily that they won't change it just takes a long time for them to change because they're so huge whereas smaller indie brands if all of a sudden it comes out that a certain ingredient isn't sustainable or isn't ethical they can kind of reformulate really quickly and they can you know get those products on the shelves more quickly whereas a larger brand that you know there has to it has to go through so many more layers so they're you know it takes them a longer time to bring in change but that's not to say they won't change so I think I think there's a room for both and they can both help each other if you know maybe it's naive of me but I do see a future where brands will collaborate more no I don't think that's naive at all I really really think like you say I think the whole mindset of people is changing in every single area and and how we feel about mother earth and everything not just animals and so Mm. I feel you're right I feel that they're going to realize that consumers want change as well it's not just about them needing to change the consumer might stop buying products if they feel like the more people become aware they may find their sales start to go down so I think it's it's a it's kind of like both coming together will help them in the long run, I believe. So I, I, I don't think you're naive at all. I really do see that too. Well, it's, it's, it's all based on supply and demand. Yes. So if we demand it, they will supply it. Yeah, absolutely. They want to sell their product. So if you're actually sh- like shouting from the rooftops about it and changing people's views, then that's how we do it, isn't it? That's a really good way exactly. to look at it. So, exactly. so what does it take to create a planet-friendly beauty routine? And I know that's kind of a big question to ask you because obviously you've got this beautiful book which is right in front of me. But if you were to give someone just a really small tip, like a routine a, a, of a beauty routine that's planet-friendly, what would that be? I think the number one thing I always say to people is reduce. Yeah. Because, um, you know, there's no point in creating more recyclable packaging out there or, you know, it's so I think reduce is the one word, the one word I would say to people. And that's not to say you, you don't, you still can't enjoy owning many beauty products but use them all you know I think we're all guilty of buying things not really thinking about it getting it home looking and going oh I've actually got that color or um oh god I really kind of became really susceptible to that marketing I don't really need that you know that moisturizer you know how many moisturizers do we actually need 
how many products do we actually need? I mean, if you use 10 lipsticks, buy 10 lipsticks by all means and love them every day and enjoy wearing them. But, you know, just just be a bit more sort of thoughtful on the amount of products that you are buying and consuming. I think that's a really simple one. A bit yeah, I think more they're, I think they're quite good at hooking people in, aren't they? As well, and I'm one of those yeah. people that doesn't get hooked in. They they probably don't like me, and um, because <laughs> I've just got a few basic things that I use every day, and I'm not a big big um, makeup person. Now. I'm not really a lipstick. I pro- probably just wear Vaseline or a lip a clear lip gloss, yeah. a little bit of blush, quite a natural look. Um, and I really just do stick to those things, and and I do not get a new one until it's literally running out so I'm probably the last person that they they want around but I'm also probably the most economical and the most kind of like planet earthly friendly person (laughs) that's brilliant and and also I think you know we we think we can only use a particular product for a particular use I mean some of my favorite cream blushes are actually lipsticks um you know it's it's we're sold that particular dream uh, this is a lipstick but actually multi-use products are really popular now and they're great you know you yeah can, I've you, got some they can use on your eyes cheeks and lips but also you can you can create your own multi-use you know yes. I use I on shoots and things I sometimes use bronzer for eyeshadow I, I do too actually yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know or you know you can use um as I say, you can use lipsticks for cream blush. You can use cream blush for lipsticks. I mean, there's so many different ways to use products. You know, you can really let your imagination run right. And I, the only contraindication there is, uh, you know, some products aren't designed for use around the eyes. Yeah. So as long as you, you know, anything you're using around the eyes, you can check, you know, is okay for use around the eyes, then really you can sort of knock yourself out. Then you can look at your makeup bag in a completely different way and go oh look at that I realize you know if you've got three lipstick in lipsticks in your makeup bag you can look at it and go that oh actually I've also now got three cream blushes and you know even even matte colors that are a bit more uh, they don't have as much slip in them um you can mix that with a bit of moisturizer or a bit of clear balm and create your own kind of texture as well. So you can change the texture of products yourself and you can change the use of products yourself. And, you know, that's really creative and, you know, it's makeup alchemy. And I think it it can give you a renewed interest in your, in your own makeup bag. So as you know, on top of reducing and using refillable makeup where possible and refillable skincare where possible, you know, multi-use your own makeup that you've already got. Yeah, and one thing I want to ask you that kind of sprung to mind, you know, we're always very aware of like expiry dates. And what's your feeling on that? Because I will just use something until it really does run out. And I don't really think about or, you know, is it hygienic? Should I have kind of thrown that away by now? These expiry dates, are they just kind of for a selling point of view so that you go and buy more? Um, I mean, Obviously, as a makeup artist, I have to say stick to the sell by dates because of microbial of course. Uh, contamination. Yeah, absolutely. So, and you're you using know, it on lots of different people. But I suppose yes. I'm thinking more from a spec- perspective of someone at of home yourself. with their little makeup bag. Yeah, nobody else uses my mascaras. or And if I haven't got an eye infection, obviously, if I had had an eye infection, I probably wouldn't be reusing my mascara again. But if I'm kind of healthy and I've not really got any pimples or anything like that... Um, 
um, it, do you feel it's okay just to carry on? Um, I mean, I, I, oh, it's a difficult one. Because, yeah, I'm probably put you in, yeah, a bit of a tricky one. <laughs> no, it, what I can say is, you know, on the record, stitches held by dates. Yeah. Off the record, um, things that have, that contain water. Yeah. Don't mess with that because water will contaminate with my of course so that's like uh, lip glosses and things like that or... yeah anything with aqua in the ingredients yeah like creamy eyeshadows and yeah skincare you know things like that yeah. anything around the eyes yeah either yeah so I would get rid of anything around the eyes when it's part if you're using you know around the eyes when it's past itself by day sure um powders tend I was to about work. to say it's the powders that I tend yeah. to kind of think oh you know what I could probably use that a bit longer like like if it's a powder yes. blush or yes I think you know you know I think with a powder you have unless you're kind of dipping your hands in with you know wet wet fingers um that's gonna you know add water to the product then powders do last a long long time you know you you have less to worry about about that unless you're going around the eyes of course yes. and you know with, with skincare and lipsticks and makeup you you can smell it's off. yes I was going to say that you can smell. it starts to get a it bit of a, a yeah it has a funky smell so it doesn't become very um enjoyable to use anyway no so um so that would be my sort of takeaway is that anything with water in or around the eyes don't mess with that powders you may can maybe have a little bit of artistic license on Right, perfect. That's really good to know, actually, because I think there's probably people out there that think, well, okay, in order for me to be more sustainable and ethical, I'll just carry on using things until they run out. But actually, you still have to be a bit cautious. That's why I wanted to cover that. Yeah. So I don't think people really understand the impact some cosmetic products have on animals, to be honest. And I want to talk about this a little more. Not really to make anyone feel uncomfortable, but to open up people's eyes up just that little bit more. Like you said, your colleagues that weren't aware, I think there'll be many people listening to this podcast that won't really be aware, including myself to a certain extent. Um, And I think it's really important to bring it to people's attention because we have generations of people buying product makeup and we aren't educated in schools on it at all. And so it's more a case of, of being naive and misinformed to really, I think, rather than not not listening or or doing something proactive it's more I think that we're misinformed or we don't know absolutely and and again I think people you know do they really understand what is going on what it means um I mean I've explained a little bit about um you know the 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 territory where it's still government law is mainland China yes and it, it is changing and they have brought out different dispensations over the you know in the last few years but it is still a case that if you sell in mainland China you cannot 100% guarantee that you are cruelty free no no there's also you know pre-market testing and post-market testing post-market testing is rarer and rarer these days and it's done by individual sort of Chinese province authorities but it's not to say it won't be done. And if a if a consumer has a reaction to a product or a complaint about a product, then it definitely is done. It's taken off the shelves and it's taken away and it's tested. Right. And even, 
even without China across the board reach, which is a chemical regulations authority, are trying to bring back testing for certain ingredients and certain chemicals. So we are kind of in a place where we thought we were kind of getting somewhere with mainland China. And now we're wondering whether we're going backwards again. Right, I see. It's still kind of like, you know, pull and push, pull and push. So to be absolutely sure you're not buying something that uh, isn't cruelty free then you really have to rely on the certifications absolutely Um, so that's the way I think as a consumer you can feel a bit safer in knowing what you're buying truly is what you want it to be and also want to ask you obviously you're not going to educate primary school children about this because you'd hope they wouldn't even be wanting to know much about makeup although my seven-year-old likes to sneakily try and find things in my makeup bag but like secondary education say from maybe 14 onwards and in college and also people studying makeup and in order to be a makeup artist are they starting to study like are they doing um syllabuses on this kind of thing obviously you're learning about the artistry of makeup but are you when you learn about makeup up like you said nobody in your industry was really aware but are they starting to put it into practice now that it's not only just like performing and and learning about how to apply makeup but also about all the ethical side as well is that something that's coming to practice yet do you know what I don't actually know the answer to that question <laughs> it I just mean, popped in my head it just popped in my head really interesting question and I would actually really like to know I have been asked to go into a couple of colleges and you know teach a <clears throat> teach a class um so I could see you doing that which I think is why well, intuitively I because obviously being a psychic medium of sitting here thinking I can see her kind of like really going out there and promoting this more to younger people so that maybe that's the sign <laughs> it's really interesting it's a really interesting question and and something, yeah, so I have been asked before. I've never been able to schedule it, but I know they have asked me because of my ethical stance, as well as being, you know, I have, you know, also been asked to teach like a red carpet makeup, but they have been interested. So it makes me wonder whether they are starting to include that in <clears throat> their syllabus. I'm not entirely sure. And I will look into it because it's it's something that I think is important to know. And also, you know, you mentioned about secondary school clients, but at uh, secondary school um, pupils. But I also think even in primary schools, the way you can approach it is by, which I think is a really interesting Maybe topic, face painting? By, well, but also by showing the opposite, which is lab-grown and talk to them about lab-grown yes. human skin. Yep. Um, which is used for testing and that it's actually you know offers more efficacious data than animal testing so it's actually the way to go yes Um, I you know part of when I um my sort of you know relationship with the body shop is we went to a brilliant alternative testing lab in Cheshire called Accelerate um and what they do is amazing they take um cells from uh from the eye and they use those cells to test and do the irritation tests and they use skin donated from cosmetic surgery to test okay so they do and, and this has an impact not just on 
cosmetic companies, but they also test on chemical companies as well. And could that maybe then transfer to pharmaceutical companies? Yeah, and absolutely. Yeah. You know, so, you know, day trips like that for schools, I think is, is, would be incredible or for colleges yeah and you know what I I see you doing another little book as well um for younger people I'm literally being given these visions here but like that's kind amazing of, well just I have- like a, a book kind of like of how to apply makeup so obviously sustainable beauty is wonderful but I feel it's more for our generation of like 30s 40s maybe some 25 year olds plus but more for younger kind of teens where it's quite cool and 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 cool to to read but you're also kind of making them very aware of what they're purchasing I think that would be wonderful yes I mean I think you know I do I write a lot about it in the book um so I give some techniques um you know that I've learned in my you know being a makeup artist for 23 years and interestingly enough thinking about sort of am I going to do another book? I have thought about the ages. So it could be sustainable beauty through the ages. So 40. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Because your book is so beautiful. I mean, it's a coffee table book. And my my eight-year-old, she went to grab it the other day when I was going through. And I was like, be careful, you've got a glass of water because it's so beautiful. And, and you you know, um, having worked in book publishing, the the embossing on it and the the actual texture of it, like you have to be so careful not to get your fingers on it because it's not gloss or anything. So I was just thinking of more like one of those handbag books for younger that could be thrown around a bit more that would have like key elements in it for, like you say, teens and that. I don't know why all this information's coming through. I love it. Uh, Well, this is for another day. We'll have a nice chat about this. Well, you've just validated something that was kind of you know in my coming into your mind, mind. yeah sometimes and we just need someone don't we to kind of give us that clarity that that's what we're meant to be doing a hundred percent and also we've had this conversation I suffer from imposter syndrome as a lot of you know professional women do and um or professional people not just women but um I uh you know I have certain thoughts and I think oh yeah but would people would that be useful for people would that be interesting for people would that be you know um knowledge you know good knowledge for people I mean with my book I had the idea to do this book years ago because I realized I was like how can I get this knowledge out there and I realized the book would be a very very useful tool to be able to you know share my knowledge and you know educate people and um and I even had a book agent that I met that said, I'd love to do this book with you. Send me the synopsis. Did I send this, her the synopsis? No. Because Aww. all the thoughts in my head. Yeah, it's that, little, it's that little gremlin that gets the inside the subconscious when I you should my, always listen to your heart and, you know, that intuition. I call my, gremlin, I call my gremlin negative Nelly. <laughs> Oh my gosh, I love that. I don't let my gremlin I don't let my gremlin get in. I don't even they get a chance to. I'm like, get out, get out. It's so funny. Oh dear. Yeah, so so I had it, I had it and 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 I I never sent the synopsis. And then but for this, this was um, a publisher actually approached me and asked me if I would be interested in writing my book. And because I felt it was kind of um 
how would I describe it? Like a, um, a step away from it being me pitching out and me saying, are you interested? Yes, you felt like more comfortable. It was more in your comfort zone. Yeah, because proposals are daunting. They are, you know, I've been there, done that. And you you do, you have that inner feeling, whereas you were approached, you already kind of had, you already got over that hurdle, so to speak. Yes, I couldn't. And then I was like, you know, I was like, oh my goodness, I cannot say no now. No, well, the universe has given you all those pushes. And had you said no, I think I would have got really cross with you. Like, you've got (laughs) to... listen now you need to listen to them so anyway I really want to talk about the impact as well that makeup has on our mindset because we've really covered loads about kind of um you know the ethical side but I feel we live in a world where there is so much comparison and makeup is a way where we can express ourselves as individuals do you agree with that well you would agree you're a makeup artist (laughs) yes of course I would agree with that and it's part of the way that we present ourselves to the outside world isn't it absolutely and I feel Um, like you know you said about the imposter syndrome but I feel mm. often I found at school it was the shy ones that had the most incredible makeup and I was quite outgoing I was a, a professional singer and I didn't wear as much and that's probably because they express themselves through their makeup as opposed to I was expressing myself more through my like voice and kind of chatting away so it's a lovely way to kind of express yourself I think as well well I think we feel more confident if we you know if we've got if we enjoy wearing makeup and we've got it on we feel more confident more put together more yes more prepared no, I certainly do. I and, do. When you know, I do the school run, I still, my husband says, why are you getting ready for the school run? I said, because it makes me feel better. I feel more presentable. Yeah. You know, I think it's yes. really important to make an effort. I'm quite a girly girl, so I like to wear dresses and, you know, I don't like really throw on a tracksuit. And he's always like, oh, you're, and I'm like, no, it doesn't matter if I'm staying indoors. I still like to look nice. Absolutely. And I, and I, also, you know, because I work with, you know, clients every day and I see them, and feel them in front of me sort yeah. of becoming, becoming more confident you know I couldn't imagine having to step in front of a camera and you know have somebody take my photographs especially if you're not a model and you're an actor absolutely because the kind of shoots you do you're not just doing models are you you're doing all sorts of shooting mm. so that must be quite daunting for some people um that that yes. uh, you know being t- taken pictures of Yes, it's not, it's not that it's out of their comfort zone completely. And, you know, if they're feeling like all of us might not be feeling their best. And I think to have, you know, it's not just makeup, it's hair, it's styling. Um, And you visibly can feel and see them just becoming more confident and more, um, more easy at presenting themselves in front of this whole crew of people, you know, waiting to, you know, capture these images for for a magazine. Or, yeah. You know, so, you know, or, or appearing on a red carpet, you imagine, you know, the huge bank of photographers just flashing away and, you know, to help somebody be able to take those steps and, and be confident in front of the whole world, you know, means a lot. Especially when you know that there's going to be pictures plastered the next day all over magazines and newspapers and you want to know that you're going to feel your best and be able to look at that picture and feel, you know what, I feel really good there. Um, it's not just yeah. the initial stage of that moment, but it's actually the after effects because those pictures, once they're published, they're out there forever. Um, yeah. So it's Absolutely. really important to make you feel good. So how do you feel the colours we use in our makeup can change and uplift our mood? Do you feel that there are specific colours in the palette that correspond to a specific mood? Because I always feel red lips are really sexy and then you have the more subdued. And what's your feeling? 
Well, I wear red lipstick every day of my life. And and it suits you so much. She, it wouldn't suit me. It, it really, really it. suits you. I've tried it. And uh, you know, occasionally I will wear it, but I don't feel it really suits me. I disagree with you, Hannah. Oh, okay. <laughs> I firmly believe that there is a red out there for everyone. For everyone, right. So you and, need to find me that red. <laughs> yes, and everybody needs... There's, there's, there's a great red that I always get everybody to start with. Right, I'm um, going to write this down. <laughs> and, and end with. I mean, I wear it myself. I love it. It's by a brand called Seeds of Colour. Right. And it's called Red Berry. Red Berry. I'm going to take a look or at berry that. Because, red. Or Berry Red. Berry Red. Sorry. Because you know what? Sometimes, it, you know, you go out for a meal or something and a lot of my work, it, I'm, I'm based at home. I don't really see people that much. Most of my clients are um, over Zoom or I don't even literally see them. They can be all over the world. And so I'm not like you where you're face to face with people all the time. But when I do go out for a nice meal or something, I do sometimes think, oh, lip gloss again. So I'm going to give this a go. The reason I love it, one of the reasons I love it, there's many reasons I love it, but one of the reasons I love it is because you can build it up. So you can wear it sort of as a stain or you can apply it thicker and wear it as a, as a red colour. And it's just got um, a little bit of a sort of berry tone, slight brown tone. So it's not kind of, you know, that sort of really in your face red that people get scared of. Yes. It's a great one to, and it's multi-use. So you can use it on your eyes, you can use it on your cheeks, you can use it anywhere you want. So it ticks a lot of boxes. Um, and it just is, I just find it suits everyone. Everyone right, I'm gonna give that you know, a go. If, if I want to put red on someone and I'm a bit like, well, oh, do I use a warm tone, blue tone? What's gonna suit them? I grab that one and I yeah. start there. Yeah, so that sounds I, great. I believe, I believe there's a red lip for everyone. Um, and, I, and for me, it makes me feel confident. Like I get nervous on jobs um, still. And if I wear my red lipstick, it cheers me up. I feel happier. I feel brighter. Um, I feel more confident. You know, so it, you know, going back to if it kind of, you know, expressing ourselves as individuals as well and helping us kind of put our, you know, you know present ourselves to the world Uh, you know I can't remember was it Diana Freeland that said um I'm gonna I'm gonna paraphrase badly here and misquote but something along the lines of sometimes you just need a bit of glamour to get you down the stairs yeah and to be honest with you you're right I mean I think we all need a bit of nerves I think if we never had any nerves even before every zoom I do I get a little bit nervous because I never know how it's going to kind of pan out and so I think that it's important to get a bit of nerves and if you can just do something that just takes away a little bit of that nerves and gives you that little bit of a boost obviously I'm behind a screen here that no one's going to see me there's no no real (laughs) need to be putting red lips to come right now but for you being out there um in the public eye with people I think it's wonderful if that makes you you know whatever works for individuals um is really important you know some people find their high heels are what gives them that kind of boost um it all depends on on the type of person I always feel a dress makes me feel really elegant and girly Mm. and like if I go out in a tracksuit I somehow feel a little bit like oh I don't know frumpy so I think it depends on you as a person some people feel that a tracksuit makes them feel on top of the world so um you know like if they're yeah exactly 
and you know if you're into kind of like gym wear you you can look incredible so yeah. it just depends on the person so with regards to kind of like a specific color in the palette mm. are there any like we said about red and i think that's very vibrant it gives you that confidence are there any particular other colors in the palette that you feel represent or you use for shoots to show kind of a certain mood well i think you know makeup coloring cosmetics works exactly the same as sort of color therapy in clothes or in interiors so you know red is kind of it's dynamic it's fast you know as are any kind of bright tones and remember sort of you know in makeup in color therapy you can say have an orange but you could have a neon orange and you could also have like a sandy um pea or a peachy orange you know there, there there's so many different tones so it also doesn't just depend on the color it depends on the tone yes so you know you could you could you know orange I've, I've spoken about but you could use say I don't know blue and a soft blue an icy blue could give a very kind of cool understated look with but you could wear just that on the eye and it's quite cool as in um not cool the temperature but cool you know it can look quite cool as in you've got kind of quite a bare face but then sort of just a bit of a slick of an icy blue sort of yeah lovely it really like draws the eye out yeah yeah and it's calming and it's kind of you know it reminds us of like the ocean of the sky doesn't it so it's got like lovely relaxing kind of connotations and then you could have that fantastic azure blue that you see in the Mediterranean a lot and that to me is just this incredible um it's kind of it's dynamic it's also quite a spiritual color because it's i love that blue yeah i use that a lot on my eyes if i am going out it's got those purple tones as well so it has these lovely sort of like spiritual undertones as well to it so you know i think it, it really does depend on the not just the color but which part of the spectrum you're using that color you know, is it is it on the bright, vibrant, dynamic side or is it on the more sort of subtle, um, subdued side? And like you were saying about you, there's a there's a red for everybody. I think some people feel they don't want to go out of their comfort zone with colours. So I if I'm going out and. Um... Like I said, in the daytime, I'm quite a kind of like a, a plain colour. So I will just have a bit of mascara on, a bit of lip gloss, a bit of blusher. But if I'm going out for a night out, I do like to kind of really make that effort and that impact. So I will really, I'm quite adventurous with my colour palette. And if I've got like a yellow dress and I will quite happily go out there and put some yellow on or, or a bright blue or something. But I think some people feel quite uncomfortable with exploring too much. But would mm. you say that everybody can explore or do you feel you have to have a certain complexion to get away with certain colors what's your theory on it because i know we mentioned the red and said there's a red for everybody would you say that there's a blue for everybody and, and a green for everybody and you know yes i mean I, I i i honestly don't think there are any rules with makeup yeah because makeup is an art form absolutely so you have to remember that when you are putting makeup on yourself you are making those choices every day, whether you're wearing a lot of makeup or hardly any, you're choosing how your eyebrows look, how your skin looks, whether you wear lipstick or not, if you do, what colour you're going to put on. Are you going to wear mascara? Are you not? You know, are you going to you know, thicken your brow? Are you not? These are all 
creative choices. Absolutely. And I think it's down to confidence as well, isn't it? It is. You're an artist every day that you put makeup on. You are an artist. And not, not, you know, not being a makeup artist, you're, you're putting, you're, wearing makeup you're creating makeup on yourself you are an artist yeah just and like when you're putting your clothes on you're styling yourself aren't you really at the end exactly. of the day you're putting colors together exactly and we never give ourselves that credit no we don't and I think a lot of people you know it if they don't feel confident in applying makeup it can affect whether they wear makeup or their self-esteem when they're wearing makeup. And I think we don't give ourselves enough time to actually just sit and create and try things out. And it's all about practice. It's all about practice. So, you know, when you first start wearing eyeliner, it's all over the place. And then eventually, you know, if you want to continue practicing and trying, you become very good at it. So Yeah, I used to love that. When I was in my teens, I would sit there kind of trying out all new things. And I I, I think you either like, like to explore or you just like to kind of stick to those basics. And I don't have as much time now, but I used to sit in my bedroom for like hours on a Saturday, just start trying new things out. And I just loved there are it. Simple thing, there are simple things you can do. I mean, you know, I will admit, I wear red lipstick because I love it and it makes me feel great. And I love a slightly vintage style and it reminds me of that. Um, But I also wear it because oftentimes I don't wear a lot of other makeup and it still makes me feel like I've made a bit of an effort. Yes, I'm a bit like that with mascara. I'm a bit like that with mascara. Yeah, that's beautiful. And I'm a bit like that with mascara. Like if I don't wear mascara, my daughter will say, oh, you look really different today. So how you are with your red lipstick, if I don't wear mascara, I feel quite bare. Um, Mm. So it's interesting. But I also think makeup is a real true form of self-expression. There's so many creative things that we can achieve when it comes to makeup. And I think you can tell a hell of a lot by a person, by their makeup choices. Do you agree? Uh, Yes and no. Um, Before I sort of explain what I mean by that. Yeah, um, sure. Just just something to go back to sort of colour. we ended up sort of talking about eyeliner. Eyeliner is a great way to experiment and try colour without fully sort of committing to a big, full-on, you know, blue eye. Yes. You, could, you know, just a slick of a colour of an eyeliner. Um, even if it's not across the whole eye, you could even just do a little tick at the end or a cold pencil, you, you know, emerald greens, blues, purples. I mean, there's all sorts now, reds, oranges, you can try anything. Um, So an eyeliner is a really good way to try uh, something a little bit different or to try a bit of colour if you're a bit nervous about doing it and you don't really know what to do. Yeah, because I've got like this kind of clear pot and it's an eyelining stick that goes into a clear liquid and then you can use it on any eyeshadow. So like you're exploring with your eyeshadows and so you can have a massive palette of different colours of eyeshadows and it gives you just a chance to see whether that suits you, which is quite a good idea. Yeah, like a sealer or a a mixing material and you can pop it in and yeah, exactly. And even like... A lot of eyeshadows, most eyeshadows you can use just with a bit of water and an eyeliner brush and try it out, you know. And and eyeshadows are a really good way to get your eyeline shape right and to test out colour because it's got kind of a bit of transparency. You have to kind of build it up in layers. So if you don't get the shape right, it's a lot easier to remove than, um, you know, a thicker, more intense coloured eyeliner. Anyway, 
we we digress. <laughs> we digress. No, absolutely no. I'm I'm glad because I kind of jumped on and you still had a bit more to say. So no, I was just talking about your about self expression mm. and um like how we can achieve makeup. Do you feel that you can tell a lot by a person by their makeup choices? And you were kind of saying yes and no. So yes that's really no. interesting. Um, I wouldn't mind you kind of expanding more on that. I think what I mean by that is I think you can tell what you can potentially tell what somebody is feeling like that, that day. day yes I was about to say do you know what I, I I read that out and I kind of thought to myself no actually Hannah because when you do a school run you're very kind of like natural and then you might go out for dinner and you've got really thick black on and um, and so actually you've got totally two different personalities showing there so like you say it depends what mood you're in doesn't it and also it depends what mood you're in. So sometimes you could be feeling really kind of vivacious and want to experiment and really creative um, and really outgoing and want to wear these bright colors. And other days you might feel not so great and a bit more demure and you don't really want to, you know, put that face out there. And also you were sort of talking interestingly earlier about your, your friend at school and had a more kind of, um, you know, uh, introverted personality but then expressed themselves through their makeup so um you know I think you can also have people that are a bit more introverted like I you know when I was a teenager I was a goth and you know wore goth makeup and a lot of my friends were incredibly shy but they they could express themselves and their creativity through their makeup yes it didn't mean that they were um you know, incredibly confident people. No, no. Yeah, we talked about this, didn't we? We said like sometimes actually it's the shyer ones who were more yeah. creatively artistic with their makeup than the ones that were that are more outgoing, in fact. Yes. So I think it's um, a really interesting question. And I think, you know, yeah, yes and no. There's, yeah. there's two sides to it, really, depending Absolutely. on the person and how they express their creativity and on an individual and how they're feeling that particular moment and that particular day. Yeah, and I feel, changing the subject, that just putting makeup on is like painting a canvas, really. I feel like you're kind of doing the layers gradually. I find it incredibly relaxing and calming. It's To me, it's like a form of therapy. Like, you wake up in the morning and it's like your thing to do. You brush your teeth and it, it wakes me up. It gets me ready for the day. You know, you see, you know, you're brushing those stro- strokes of... Um, concealer or foundation or whatever onto the skin and I find it incredibly relaxing do you find it like that do you find it quite therapeutic when you're doing it to yourself yes and to others um I do actually talk about this in my book a bit because it really is in our sort of busy hectic lifestyles sometimes it's the only part of the day where you touch your skin it is actually apart and, from washing your hands yeah or rubbing your eye if it's itchy but yeah or you know or touching your face in you know in particular putting on your skincare doing your makeup yes it's and nurturing the to- self-love really self-love it's a time to check in with yourself connect with yourself so I always always encourage people even for a few seconds just to put your hands on your skin and just take a couple of breaths you know you can give yourself some positive affirmations but if you're not into that you don't have to do that at all but just actually just connect with yourself and just give yourself that moment you know touch your face actually touch your face and you know be present while you're doing it you know before I do anybody else's makeup I am applying 
skincare first and I make sure that I do that and I actually you know I don't tell them this but I do a little mantra a little prayer to send them light and send you know um and it's my time to actually do a little bit of my own form of healing on them yeah I, I really really love um, that because you know I have so many clients Justin that I work on and help with self-love and self-confidence imposter syndrome those kind of things and mm. I'll talk to them about looking in the mirror and expressing how important they are and 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 how worthy they are but one thing that i haven't crossed over is that touching of the skin and you've literally just added that into my little regime because i'm thinking you know what i'm telling them to look at themselves and to be proud of themselves but actually they could be doing that while doing their makeup it doesn't even need to be a side thing so that's lovely that's really lovely introduction isn't it it's an introduction because some people can feel really self-conscious um and it's quite emotional to you know actually practice that and start to sort of tell look at yourself in the mirror and tell yourself that you are worthy and you love you love yourself and it can be really triggering for some people but it could be a good introduction to just doing that in a more gentle way just by actually making sure they touch their skin and breathe and when they're doing their makeup just be more present with themselves yes Absolutely. Um, so moving on, are there any specific brands that you can recommend? And I know you probably have to be careful in certain areas, but when we're looking at kind of the sustainable eco products, there are many, many people who probably have no idea what half the brands are that they could be looking out for. So could you recommend just a couple? Yes, of course. I'm going to kick off with Seeds of Colour that I mentioned earlier. About yes. The red the red, the, the natural color balm, because they, um, I love them. They're really great. They, their scientist, Steve, uh, developed um, a technique to extract color pigment from waste fruits, plants, and vegetables. Oh, I love that. Isn't that brilliant? Yeah, absolutely. And so their ingredients, you know, that when you talk about natural ingredients, there's a whole plethora, it, there's a whole scale of natural from from cold pressed oils that don't change their chemical structure in any way shape or form right through to sort of you know almost like lab created natural ingredients so it, it you know it's a there's no you know there's no lawful kind of description in the industry of what natural actually means so you know it, it can be many many things but they really are i think the true definition of natural and you know they're tubes are aluminium tubes with no plastic in a layer no mixed materials so they can go straight in your recycling bin aluminium is a great recyclable product for beauty packaging as long as it's not been sort of tampered with and and uh, and in a an inner plastic layer hasn't been inserted otherwise that takes it into a mixed material which then can't be recycled yeah but pure aluminium is great because it is endlessly recyclable and it's valuable. So, um, you know, recycling plants want to take it off your hands, so to speak. Yeah. So it, it, it's a really good, it's a really good packaging, um, sustainable packaging option. And in Seeds of Colour, you know, they work with um, universities to sort of develop more sort of sustainable ideas. Uh, they only have a few products I think they're now moving into making to order which I love oh that's Um, lovely that's also like sacred 
skincare which is uh seeds of color are at seeds of color on instagram and sacred i'm gonna have to look them up sacred skincare are at sacred bioactives on instagram and they also make in very small batches and i love that because there's no product waste at all no all the ingredients are wonderful all of these brands are vegan you know these are vegan and cruelty free brands yeah Uh, yeah Seeds of colour are organic. They are waiting for their organic certification as well. So I love them. Uh, Axiology are another brilliant brand. They're a zero waste brand because they have, um, uh, they're called, they're called Barmies. Their product is called Barmies. And it's, what I also love about it is their little crayons that come in like a cardboard box. And it reminds me of being a kid and putting makeup on because these crayons are multi-use and you can use them, you know, anywhere. Oh, and wow. It, they're really fun. It bring, They bring the fun back into yes. makeup. I love. That inner um, child comes back. <laughs> that inner child. The Body Shop, again, we mentioned them earlier. I want to mention them because they are easily accessible. It's important to have brands that are easily accessible yeah and also a price point that people can afford now obviously I don't know much about the prices of the others but I think we're in a society where it's great to reel off all of these makeups but if people are on a budget body shop is one that you know that most people will be able to cope with exactly so I think they're always one to remember they're not entirely vegan but they do have many many vegan products yes and I think their vegan products are marked so <clears throat> they're always one to remember and you can go to store as well i see them still in high streets so you exactly. can pop into a shop as well and test things out and see what they're like exactly and you know talking about aluminium as i was with seeds of color uh, there's a brand called juni cosmetics that i love and um, they're more of a luxury brand but they worked with a product designer to create a lipstick that is totally recyclable. Oh, now, wow. what people don't quite realise is most beauty packaging ends up in landfill. Yeah, I was about to get onto that. Yeah. Yeah. So with Juni and their Soli Aluminium Lipstick Bullet, it's it's a beautiful bullet. It's designed really well. It is a luxury item, but they will also, you can also send, you know, so you can put it in your recycling bin, but you can also send the bullet back to them and they will sanitize it and put it back into run to refill, um, you know, further down the line. So uh, I love them. If you want sort of more of, um, you know, larger brands or what refillable brand that's good. To I was about refillable. to say about refillable. You read my yeah. mind because I was thinking with perfume, you can sometimes get that refilled. And I wondered whether there were many brands that you could refill. Yeah, Emma Lewisham is a good vegan and cruelty free brand to look at for skincare. They have refillables. Um, Hourglass are a big luxury brand that they are parent owned by Unilever, but they have. Um, they do a lot of innovation in terms of refillables. So okay. they have got the curator eyeshadow range, which are all refillable eyeshadows. And they were one of the first people really to bring out the, uh, a refillable option or a, um, not uh, is refillable the right term, but a really brilliant, more ethical option for mascara because mascara is a bit of a problem, but they sell a, 
great metal tool, metal mascara wand that you just wow. wash and reuse. That's great. Um, um, and so it's called the sort of your curator lash tool. So Hourglass is a good, it's a vegan and cruelty-free brand that do some kind of refillable um, options. And Emma Lewisham for skincare is, is a great refillable option. Uh, there's a brand called Subtract, C-B-T-R-C-T, I think it is. Uh, also, they sell these amazing, gorgeous wooden kind of containers that are really beautiful and you buy sort of the bars to go in it. So they have cleansing oh, bars. Oh, lovely. So you can just keep adding in when you've yeah. run out. Yeah. Yeah. And, and or, you know, ceramic plates that you can put your cleansing bar, your moisturising bar on. So they make it a really beautiful, they've kind of like beautified the refillable world. Yeah. Um, so they're a lovely brand to look at. And, you know, in terms of more of a luxury makeup brand, Delilah is great in terms of being 100% cruelty free and vegan. Wow. Okay. And you know, when we were talking about the bunny years for an um, animal cruelty, when yeah. it comes to what ends up in landfills, are we just to look out for a recycling logo? Is there anything specific that people should be looking out for? Yeah, there's nothing, unfortunately, nothing really specific. What people need to sort of start to become aware of is the Mobius loop. Right. Um, which is the triangle. Yes, yeah. So with the broken, the three broken lines yes. in, the, in the triangle and the numbers that appear in the triangle because that will indicate whether you can recycle it at home or not. Okay, and, right. Okay, so yeah. it's the numbers that's quite important it's the numbers. too. So I do, you know, tell you, I think, um, not to wang on about my book at all. No, I was going to say book. to you, there's a section in there. I'm, section do in. I'm doing this because people listening might not know much about the book, but I had already spotted it in there. Yeah, so it, it, basically you're looking out for number one and number two. Yes. That means that it's widely recycled. Yes. So number one and number two is great. Anything else, unfortunately, you have to look at your own council's website to see what they are willing and not, or, or they are not willing to recycle. Right. Um, and most of the time, it's not. So it's number one and number, number two. Number two, yeah. Other than that, um, there are, you know, some brands offer recyclable options if you send it back to them. But to be honest with you, what I find is most people don't you know they have busy lives they may mean to and then they don't get around to it and oh god I'm just gonna and because it needs to be out of the house or whatever it's so I really would just try and stick to number one and number two so if you're buying something make it easy for yourself to recycle by sticking to number one or number, number one two. and number two yeah and you can glass, find all that in your book as well yeah glass is is great it's endlessly recyclable um, not all coloured glass. You know, you've got to remember as well, recycling is a business. Yes. So they will only recycle things that are, you know, profitable. And if you've got, you know, funky coloured red glass or something, is that going to be recyclable? Mm, not so sure. You're going to mm. have to like, find that out. But if you stick to the main colours, the clear, the amber, the blue, the green, um, you are going, you, you know, you're going to easily be able to recycle that. Aluminium, great option, as long as, as I said, it's not got the, um, you know, the inner um, plastic layer. Yes, the inner, uh, yeah. 
called it's sometimes called polyfold, but it's like a plastic in in a layer to sort of protect the ingredients and the product inside. But you know, it looks like it's ethical because it's aluminium, but it's not. And the way you can tell, a little top tip, the way you can tell is you know at the end of do you remember like how toothpaste tubes used to be? And I think there are some that sort of more kind of old school ones that still do it but the end of the aluminium tube you could unravel yes you yeah. know you, you could unravel it that means it's pure aluminium right if it's sealed at the top and you can't unravel it like you know the end of the tube yeah uh, not not the end that you squeeze out but the, no, other, the end. other yeah other end if it's sealed that tends to mean that it has an plastic coat right absolutely recycled because it's a mixed material we'll have to go to specialist recycling to to separate the materials so they can be individually recycled and you know there are companies out there that claim to be doing it i hope they are but um you know i i haven't i haven't i don't know enough i haven't no seen yeah i haven't been to the plants and you know and seen seen it with my own eyes so I can't really you know confidently say that that definitely happens yeah well um, that has been so so helpful um Justin you've really covered so much here and I just want to say thank you so much for coming on today we've kind of reached the end of what we're over our hour and um, but it's aw. been such an incredibly informative chat and that's why I just wanted to let it flow and I've thoroughly enjoyed covering this topic because like so many subjects I just don't think they're discussed nearly enough in mainstream and yes. I feel so many people just brush it under the carpet thinking, oh, it will go away or, you know what, they're doing a change. So as long as they are, it doesn't matter. And I think that we all need to do that little bit in order to see a positive impact in the world. So I'm really, really pleased that you're out there. You know, you're like this angel and I'm sure you're going to be, I'm going to ensure that you're doing more. You're going to do, be doing more books and more stuff. Um, so Thanks. you can find um, Justin on Instagram at Justin Jenkins and her other Instagram page is at Justin. I'm going to spell that so everyone can <laughs> sustainable beauty. So J U S T A I N A B L E B E A U T Y. You can find out more about her amazing book, sustainable beauty there. And there's so much in there, so much knowledge. I mean, I have covered things and asked questions because I knew not many people would have read it, but you can go and find that book on Amazon or other reputable um, books places. And it is a wonderful, wonderful, beautiful book to have. You can find me, Hannah Olivia on Instagram at The Girl Healer and my website address is www.thegirlhealer.com where you can find information on everything healing related that I offer including intuitive readings, one-to-one -one Skype life path sessions, distant spiritual healing and my workshops. Thank you so much for spending a wonderful hour with us today. We hope you've enjoyed this podcast and we would love it if you could leave us a review, tag us on social media, subscribe and tell your friends. Join us soon for the next Healing Hour podcast with The Girl Healer. Bye for now. Oh,